Tech Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest news in tech from around Ireland and across the world every Friday evening on RTE Radio. Or, of course, you can get it first uh, first thing on a Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app with Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts from. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 869. Joining us as ever is our editor-in-chief, uh, Niall Kitson. Of course, now, last week's show was funny. No sooner had we published last week's podcast, then news began to break of the HSE and everything that's been dominating the headlines for the last week. So to kind of find out more about that on the show this week, we've got a brilliant interview for you, which is a real eye opener uh, into the business from a guy from Rubric. And they're a company who deal with HSE level organizations, large companies around the world. I'm sure they've experience of this and they help companies to protect themselves. And we'll find out hopefully a little bit more about HSE and maybe how to protect our own computers. That's coming. But first, Niall, um, mm. where are we at the moment? Okay, let's let's have a look at the timeline. Okay, as we know it, right? So we're recording on Thursday. So, you know, there, there's still a few hours for something to explode. But anyway, so... As far as we know, a couple of weeks ago, right, this happened a couple of weeks ago, there was an attack on the HSE in the Department of Health, right? The Department of Health was unaffected, right? This was a ransomware attack. Uh, The HSE was compromised. Now, we're not sure how it was compromised as yet. Um, So it, it could have been someone clicked on a link or someone brought an infected device from home and plugged it in um, to the network where we're not entirely sure how the breach occurred. Uh, clicking on the link or you know, inserting the affected drive or whatever released a Trojan, which was carrying a piece of malware called Conti, C-O-N-T-I, which over the period of a week or two spread out into the HSE's network. And apparently this was a human-led Attack. So there was somebody on the other end actually instructing this piece of malware to uh, have a look around what's going on, what's over here, what's over there. This is very interesting, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, eventually, the uh, hack becomes common knowledge. Um, a ransom uh, is sent out to, um, to the government saying, look, we have 700 gigs of data from the HSE network. Um, this includes, you know, patient records, HR records, contracts, all this kind of thing. Uh, if you don't pay up, uh, we will um, we'll publish it online. And uh, of course, access to your systems is, is locked. So because this is ransomware that was being used, normally what ransomware does as yourself, myself, might traditionally experience it, is you click on a link, uh, your computer gets locked up, and you're told, okay, you got to pay us X amount in Bitcoin, uh, for, and then we'll unlock your computer. Otherwise, that's it. Your, your, your computer is effectively bricked, right? Uh, what has happened in this case, there's sort of a, a double bind being used. It's, it's not just, okay, we'll give you the decryption key so you can use your stuff again. It's, do this or else not only will you be locked, we'll publish your data. 
And when you have so much sensitive data, that's a big incentive to actually pay up, especially at a time of super high volume uh, traffic because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. So this ransomware attack was traced to a group called Wizard Spider, which uh, to the best of our knowledge, is based in Eastern Europe, possibly Russia. We're not entirely sure. Um, the National Cybersecurity Center has been joined by the FBI, uh, the agencies in the UK, by Europol, um, to, to try and help track down this group. It's it's unlikely this will happen, but hopefully they will have left some sort of digital footprint that can be followed. Again, it's it's highly unlikely. Next thing, a uh, ransom demand is issued of 19.99 million. Uh, the government says, no, we're not going to pay that. Thank you very much. Uh, hospitals, in the meantime, while the recovery effort is underway, uh, revert to a paper-based system. Uh, any sort of non-essential visits to hospital are discouraged. If you have a scheduled x-ray, CAT scan, any sort of imaging uh, uh, imaging appointment, those have been cancelled. Uh, the chief executive of the HSE Paul Reed subsequently came came out and put the cost of repair in the tens of millions, um, and he said that roughly two thousand systems were uh, affected by the um, by the attack. Um, then, of course, we get this sort of scandalous situation where it emerges that well emerges. I mean, it's pe- people who in the who who are in the know know this already. Mm. It just sort of entered into sort of the the public knowledge that the National Cybersecurity Centre doesn't actually have an office, doesn't have a centre as such. It employs 24 staff and has had no head for a year. There's been nobody actually in charge of this agency, uh, which doesn't have its own office. So it's got 24 distributed staff uh, and nobody in charge of it. Uh, The job was advertised for apparently the past year with a salary of 87,000. Compare and contrast that with, with what you get in the private sector. For a similar job, uh, and also take note of the fact that the uh, right. yeah. What go do on. you what do you get in the private sector for a similar job? You're going to get an awful lot more than that, Dusty. Twice as much. You'd, you'd get twice as much as that. Really? Yeah, you would. Yeah, and and then you know, look at the fact that you know Paul Reed is on more than four hundred thousand a year, a job that pays more than the president of the United States, who I think gets like two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. A year. Um, so, so it's very much a case of, you know, what is actually being uh, spent on around here. So do we, do we know, how do we know what has actually been leaked has, has been leaked? Well, last week, a sample of the records uh, were found by the Financial Times. They were shared between a, a chat between what, what was being referred to as, I think it was Conti Team, um, which was just, uh, I'm guessing, an offshoot or a, a, a flag of convenience being used mm. by um, by Wizard Spider. Uh, and the FT caught sight of uh, 27 files relating to 12 people, which included all sorts of patient information, medical history, um, very, very sensitive information. Uh, so, yeah, okay, we can be fairly sure that the information is out there, is, re- is in a publishable form uh, and has been shared. Uh, at least, you know, a tiny, tiny fraction of it. Latest uh, that was that came out yesterday, and again, not a surprise to people that have been in the industry, um, but a surprise to people, you know, uh, like you know the the average person on the street. Uh, 
and a problem that you've actually run into as well that I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to explain the reasoning behind. An awful lot of these systems uh, in the HSE are actually running Windows 7, an obsolete operating system that Microsoft officially ended support for, what, two years ago now? More than that, actually. More than that. Extended support is is definitely over. Uh, You would be paying expensive contractors, expensive third-party contractors to keep coming up with security patches at this stage. Uh, And that's kind of, we are where we are. We have teams working around the clock to try and get our systems restored, both at the the level of getting them unlocked and also at the level of restoring, um, restoring information, restoring the data. So again, it's that two-pronged approach. You've got to clean the systems, have them back up and running, and you've got to have uh, the backed up data and hope that there isn't that much of a gap between what was backed up and what is actually live in the system at the time it was it was compromised. So Dusty, all that out in the open, uh, let, let's pick it apart a little bit. Let's, let's, go to, um, let's go to the central question. Would you pay? No, no, I would not pay. Absolutely not. I would not pay. Uh, If you did pay, how do you know that these people are going to come through on their word that they are going to give you the key, whatever it is that you need to decrypt the the stuff or that they may not put put stuff on the Internet? It's kind of like it's almost like you're saying to them, ah, they're good lads. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? yeah it's like they they deliberately locked your system and are threatening you uh why would you trust somebody like that no i would not uh give and then the other thing is that if you do it once they're gonna come back they're gonna come back they're gonna find they're some gone. other way I ha- uh, i'm a great fan of david letterman the uh t- t- talk show host in the states and at one point he was having an extramarital affair with one of his interns mm-hmm. and somebody found out about it and threatened to blackmail him. And his response was to go on his own TV show and tell people about it. He admitted yeah. it. Yeah. And I think you do not ever give in to blackmail. Yeah. So uh, I know that the uh, the line coming from the government is, no, we're not paying. And I think they're absolutely doing the right thing. Even if it's going to cost, I mean, it might cost 20 million to get all the st- stuff back. It might cost 40 million to fix the problem. Money well spent. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? Jeff Bezos did something similar uh, a while back as well. Um, he, he, he had his nudes um, uh, robbed mm. by, uh, by the National Enquirer, threatened to publish them. Uh, and he said, no, here they are. <laughs> I just published them <laughs> to the web. Look, I did this. Uh, yeah. It didn't hurt anyone. There yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. So no, don't give in to the blackmail. Um, I am shocked to hear that many of the computers running in the uh, health system were running Windows 7, which has not been supported for a long time, as you say. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. And I'm, I'm not, you know, in any way, um, sort of excusing this, right? But here's here's a problem that as users uh, of, you know, an awful lot of applications that, you know, sometimes they're not with us anymore. Sometimes they're not being updated. Sometimes they're not being updated properly. Mm. Um, do you have sympathy with an organization that say put an awful lot of money into a bespoke piece of software um, that wasn't acting, that maybe the company you would pay to do it went out of business? 
or you had to uh, employ a third party contractor just to keep it running. Um, and you find that, oh, it's not compatible with Windows 10, but it's running on 90% of the computers across the service. What do you now, do? There, there is where you have to tot it up and you say to yourself, okay, we're not going to update it. It's going to cost us 20 million in a ransom. It's mm. going to cost us 40 million to fix it. How much would it have cost to have kitted out every single computer with the latest software mm. running on uh, Windows 10 or Windows Server or whatever the the, the, the latest mm. is? Not Windows 7, unsupported. So, I mean, that's a decision that has bitten somebody. I understand, and you said it earlier that I would explain this and I will, why large organisations don't upgrade as fast. And it's very simple. With an organization like the health service, if you are going to make a change from Windows 7 to Windows 10, it's not like you or I, where we just download the software and off we go. All right. They have to update thousands and thousands and thousands of computers mm. across the country. Yep. And that is not just only the cost of doing that and the licensing cost for the operating software, but it is also, you know, just the sheer hassle of having to do it and to implement it. And then, of course, having to reinstall all your programs, you know, so it's not a decision that's made lightly. Mm. But for the health service to have let Windows and its support expire and you will often find this actually with with Microsoft they will say we're not supporting it anymore except for some choice large commercial organizations yeah because Microsoft themselves realize that people like you know who have to replace 5000 10000 computers need time to do it and they will have separate kind of non public if you like support for cases like that mm. but that's i think that is the that's the one thing that i i hadn't heard when i was kind of listening to this on the news that those machines were running windows 7 that is wow yeah yeah cuz you you also have to look at you know these things are a function of time money and vision I find you mm -hmm. you have to have yeah I'm what 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 is it they say in business you can have something done well fast or quickly pick mm. two <laughs> well there you go yeah do you know what somebody said to me well it was a taxi driver who said it to me I can't remember what we were talking about it was something like that and he just said to me he says you will never get everything that you want and yeah. that applies to everything it doesn't matter what you will never get everything. Yeah. So you've got to kind of say, well, what am I going? And it's not a case of what will I settle for? How far do I want yeah. to go? Yeah. Do it well, do it fast or do it cheap. That's it. Um, just to, to get the, the wording right <laughs> yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. You uh, will never get the three of those. You'll never yeah. get the three of those at the same time. So uh, you you really do need somebody at, at the top that, that has the resources around them that they can mm. say, okay, look, this is coming down the road. We need to start doing this. We need to get this program in place to make sure people are sufficiently upskilled that they can use these new applications effectively and efficiently uh, and to make sure that they are secure as well. And as you say, when you have uh, a service that is thousands and thousands of machines, which ones are being used daily and which ones are stuck in a locker somewhere? Yeah, that, that and could be wheeled out back, yeah. in the event of trouble. You know, something that, I, we all, we've all worked in businesses where there, there's like the emergency laptop. Yeah. And, you know, how, how many years ago has it been used? You know, I, I once worked in a company where computers were held onto indefinitely. 
I think the lesson that I am learning from this is that if it can happen to the health service here, it's all happened in the, to, to the NHS last year. It mm. happened to Colonial Pipeline and we were only talking about it last week, yeah. uh, just before this story broke. Um, if it can happen to people like that who do have teams and generally do have protections in place and generally do have backups and, uh, and there's usually some kind of a, a system in place, right? Mm. For normal, average, everyday people, could happen to them as well. Oh, and it does so every easy. day. It does every day. And, I mean. and it does every day. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, I think it's a lesson to anybody who's listening to the podcast today is for God's sake, double check your security, double check your backups. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, a, uh, as yourself and myself were saying, actually, when when was the last time we backed things up? You've got, you've got a pretty nice setup there, Dusty. You've got, you've got yeah. things automated. Um, I've got a, Yeah. I do have them auto- automated, uh, and I have a backup for my backup, and then I've got um, I've got offsite backup, and then I've got a backup uh, USB massive hard drive, and yeah. I just plug that in, do the backup, and unplug it. Yeah. Because sometimes you know if your backups are always connected, once when when the source gets infected, mm. all of your backups can get infected yeah. as well. So it's like that, that's know. kind of the golden rule, isn't it? You you have your mm. live file, you have your backup, and then you have an offsite backup. Well, I don't know if it's the golden rule, but it's 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 a sensible rule. Mm, yeah, it's a sensible it's, rule. It's an expensive one to implement, especially if you're you know just so, just someone at home. It, but that's you see, that's it, right? Think about this yourself as you're listening to our podcast today. Okay, you think you say, "Whoa, that's an expensive solution." All right, but how much will it cost you if you were to lose if your computer died and everything that was on it capots? Mm. How much would it cost? How much would you lose? For me, and for many of us, it will be to be loads of memories. I've got uh, all kinds of old data and recordings from my career over the over the years. Uh, accounts, uh, emails that are in, well, emails not so much because it's on, on on a central server. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kind of all of these things, and then like what would it cost you to? make it right again or to fix it or to try and reconstruct it and what will it cost you for the stuff that you've lost mm, and yeah. you know I'm particularly paranoid about the account software now I I'm no millionaire far from it but I have to do returns to revenue every year mm. and what if you know suddenly there's a year missing or two years missing because I, I had a, a missed out on the data and mm. then one day data revenue for whatever reason go listen we just want to double check uh, such as you go oh, I don't have that mm. stuff anymore yeah. and then revenue yeah. go well we'll just guesstimate Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and here's another thing, right? Looking specifically at the mm. records the HSE has lost. Uh, well, lost in inverted commas, but, but you know what I mean, has, has had stolen. Um, what's the downstream effect of that? I mean, uh, these things have happened in America where hospitals have had their, their data uh, stolen. And because healthcare in America is so expensive, there is sort of a, a benefit to being able to buy and sell identities online, right? Because it's it's, it's big money. Like over here, we 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 have the option of you know using the uh, public health health service if we wish, mm-hmm. um, which means that you know leveraging my or your identity, there's not really an awful lot of cash benefit there. I mean, our identities don't really have much value. But here's the thing. Say if you reported to a hospital six months ago, right, with uh, with COVID, right, you did your you did your two weeks, you came out, all of a sudden you start getting emails 
about alternative treatments for COVID-like symptoms? Or have you given this, have you given this uh, you know, vaccination substitute to your loved ones? You're not convinced, but I, I no, think... No, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced with that because, you know, you just look at the big picture. It's like basically kind of... I think the thing here is not necessarily that the stuff is going to be published online, which is damaging and it's not good. Okay, so I'm not belittling it, right? Sure. But the thing is, is that now at... While we're going through the COVID crisis, okay, effectively, the administration side of the health service has been just gazumped. Mm, yeah. That's amazing. And even if it's only for like, you know, whatever, one week, that's a disgrace. If it's two weeks, if it's four weeks, do you know? So it's like kind of, and, and basically what they're going is, okay, we messed it up on you. Give us 20 mil, we're gone. All right. Because they don't want to be emailing you or me going, oh, we know when you had your teeth taken out last or when you got the COVID thing or have you thought about this pillar? That's yeah, but the, the people, they sell that information too much. Well, maybe, but the, that, but that's all they do. They just go, mm. look, there you go. There's there's a million names. We don't know what the hell is in it, but it's a mm. good source anyway. Do yeah. what you want with it and somebody will pay for it. They just want to get their, their, their milk. Uh, let me wrap up on this final one because I think you were the one who said it to me and we were laughing about it this time last week. And it was a bunch of hackers and was it you? A bunch of hackers. And basically what they said was, we have no interest in disrupting the health service. In yes, Ireland. yes. We, we are only interested in peace and love and making money. Peace and making money. Yeah, that was, that was dark side. <laughs> that was it. That yeah. was, yeah, that's who it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like trying to paint themselves as business people. Yeah. We're only running a business. Yeah, you, you know who else refers to themselves as respectable businessmen, you know? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I was only watching Legend on uh, on Netflix the other night, but the, the Cray Twins, <laughs> <laughs> the gangsters. I'm not, I'm not a gangster. I'm a club owner. That's what he gets, that's, that's what sure. he gets saying. Anyways, listen, on that note, uh, that's that's the you and I and our take, and 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 that keeps us up to date. Uh, let's find out a little bit more background, as I say, uh, with an amazing interview for you uh, this week, which we give to you in just a second. Do remember uh, that we like to keep you up to date daily on all things tech, not just with this story, but all things tech around the world. With hourly updates and daily newsletters, you can grab them for free at our website, Tech central.ie This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie So it has been an unprecedented week for cybersecurity. So to get a view from inside the industry, Niall Kitson spoke to John McCleverty, who's the country manager for Ireland with Rubric. And you can find them at rubric.com. Basically, what they are is a specialist in helping businesses control, protect and back up their data. And they work with many, many large companies, uh, not only here in Ireland, across the country, but also across the world. On Thursday afternoon, Niall had a chat with the John from Rubric about the events of the week. I guess the first question you have to ask is why healthcare services are proving such attractive targets at the moment. Uh, you know, one would look at COVID as being the the obvious uh, answer. It, does it really come down to that? Um, I think COVID certainly now has made it easier, and uh, you know, not just healthcare organisations um, that are being targeted. I think across the board, um, obviously co- closer to shores here. What's happened in the last uh, week, ten days? Um, you know, healthcare has obviously thrown up, but. 
I think if you look at across the board, you've got um, in particular government organisations, I think make up about maybe 15 to 20 percent of the threats and healthcare in and around five or six percent. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, they are an easy target. I think obviously you've seen some certain universities as well that have been targeted and hit. Um, and it's because of COVID, in my personal opinion. I think that's why we're seeing a big spike. Yeah, and I imagine, you know, it's, it's the necessity to get services back online that is really putting pressure on people just to come up with some sort of a solution, whether it seems something quite, you know, in theory, as, intra- as easy as handing over money to uh, actually having to rip things out and start again, which is kind of what we're looking at at the moment. Um, yeah, look, I think certainly... We, we've got a couple of webinars there that we run and this is well before kind of some of the recent activity in Ireland uh, where we say about don't pay the bad guys and we talk about our capabilities as it relates to um, ransomware recovery. Um, there are certain things obviously that customers can do. Um, I, I don't think it's going away and that's and that's why customers probably need to be looking at that. Uh, ransomware is, is on the rise. It's 700% increase depending on what um and uh, analysts that you listen to or look at and some of the security organizations talk about um and i'm no different here right saying the same thing it's it's not um if it's it's when you know so when we're looking at uh, how common these attacks are becoming uh the conventional wisdom again is that these are originating in uh, in eastern europe in russia etc but uh, i imagine the geographical spread of these is is much wider is, is there still some credence to be had in the fact that you know there's the bored 17 year old in the basement looking for something to do um not not sure about that obviously um i, I think that's probably for the experts to look at. I don't see that myself here personally. Um, I wouldn't be able to answer that one if I'm being honest with you now. Well, you know, there there is that sort of the, when we looked back at what was happening with Anonymous and that the sort of people involved in that, there mm-hmm. was a very interesting spread and it became sort of a, a cultural phenomenon. But I suppose to look at the uh, at the technical aspects to it then, uh, what sort of problems have you seen in businesses before that, that ended up having severe uh, problems with the likes of ransomware, with cyber attacks, et cetera? What sort of weaknesses have you found? Look, there is... I suppose, look, firstly, I think COVID is throwing up the perfect storm for ransomware, right? And it's because of, you know, remote workers. It's because of, in, in certain cases, the lack of preparation and, and, and lack of security. So we, we've spoken to customers, certainly, where there have been gaps. I think the customers themselves, to a certain extent, realize the gaps that are there as well. Uh, and they're doing the best they can. Um, there's a skills gap when you talk about people as well, right? So when you're talking about IT security, Ireland is certainly up amongst the, the top ranks in relation to uh, being cyber aware, but then there is that skills gap and able to you know plug those gaps internally. When it comes to tools, um, when you speak to some of the security experts and even some of the articles I've been reading in the past week uh, with, with the latest attack here, um, they all talk about really, it's not necessarily about the tooling, it's about the awareness, it's about the training, the education um, for people. And, and, and that's probably... Um, you know, 50-50 balance between that and tooling itself. So uh, when we're going around talking to customers, yes, there are gaps. Uh, every customer is looking at the endpoint rubric, look at it from the, the point of data and looking at it outward. So as 
you look at, you know, data as being a new oil and that's your unique IP, you need to ensure that's protected. So if you start at the point of data and work your way outwards, whereas we've been traditionally t- starting at the, the end point and working our way inwards, um, a different way of looking at it, certainly, but a, a way that obviously has brought Rubrik to the forefront in the last uh, seven years since we've been around. So when somebody comes to you with a problem, uh, what, did, what, what has your experience been to date? Imagine you know, a, a network has been breached. Clearly, there's a, a problem with ransomware or something like that. How, do, how does Rubrik enter into this equation? Yeah, look, I suppose firstly, Rubrik is a data protection um, company, right? So we disrupted the market very much in the space of seven years, become market leader and, and Forrester and Gartner have put us first right based on execution and vision in particular on security. So what we're being brought into for organizations, um, where there are gaps in their data protection platform. And if you look at it today, um, hackers have become a lot more clever, right? And smarter. They're looking at targeting the backup. Um, and ultimately, if they get access to the backup, that means you're unable to recover. And that's where we're being brought in mainly because of what we do and how we protect data. So a rubric is built on a proprietary file system, which is immutable. And obviously, immutable has nearly become a buzzword at this stage, but immutable basically means cannot be changed, modified, or encrypted. So it's building like a firewall around your data itself, uh, ensuring that the, it, it's offline and not accessible for any of these ransomware attacks. So that's really where we're being brought back in uh, or being brought bought into organizations after the fact. Um, obviously, had we been there pre any attack, uh, we are immutable, meaning uh, you know their data would not have been encrypted, changed, or modified. Uh, wouldn't have been um, obviously um, hacked, and they'll always have a clean copy to recover from. So that's uh, that's ultimately where Rubrics stand. We've got a, a lot of other capabilities and where we can help customers around um, data classification, uh, sensitive data discovery. And importantly, uh, ransomware recovery. We've got that unique native capability as well. Part of uh, sort of the, the recovery process of an attack is discovering where uh, you know the entry point into a into a system actually was. Do you find mm. that it's still the case of you know you, you sort of talked about that that sort of skills gap earlier on? But is is the trend still, you know, the, the ill-informed worker clicking on a, on a link? Or have you come across cases where it's, uh, you know, people who basically should know better have brought something into work, maybe something on a USB key that's been infected uh, or something like that and uh, allowed sort of um, uh, a piece of malware onto a system. Uh, are we seeing a mix of both of those things still happen or is it still the, the the problem existing between the table and the chair on behalf of the regular user? I, I think it's um, it's all of the above, to be honest with you. Now, personally, when we speak to customers, you hear about, you know, the email click, you hear about, you know, certain, org- um, certain organizations within the company like HR marketing that are far more creative instead of having lockdown and they're speaking to a lot more customer facing or outside facing. Um, you heard about those stories and, and you know, it getting in. Um, you're right, what you said at the very top of that there, talking about, you know, visibility being probably the most important thing in, in, in ultimately finding out, you know, where you've been hit. And that's a big, big challenge for customers. Uh, and that's why you see customers taking, I think Forrester say, on average, eight days to recover, because firstly, they need to understand where they've been hit, what's been hit and what's changed and what's been impacted and obviously stop that spread. So that's why everything gets shut down uh, immediately. Um, 
And, and that's, I suppose, another kind of capability we're being brought in around is the fact that we give that visibility. So if a customer's environment is running at 100% um, and they're hit, um, instead of having to shut down the entire environment, we give them that visibility into, well, hey, look, it's only 10% of your environment's been changed. It's only 10% of your environment or has been encrypted. We give you that ability to kind of like make those informed decisions to continue running at, let's say, 90%. And then we bring you back to that last uh, in a clean state to get back to 100%. But it's visibility. And, and look, everyone, as I said already in this uh, a lot of people talk about education. A lot of people talk about visibility. There's, you know, many, many uh, cybersecurity experts out there talking about putting steps in place uh, to ensure you uh, you gain the cyber resiliency that everyone's looking for right now. Part of the problem seems to be um, that we we have this mess of systems in, in the healthcare service. We've got 2,000 mm. separate systems, uh, some of them running very outdated um, software, some of them still running Windows 7 for various mm. reasons, I imagine. Uh, to what extent are you seeing problems like this where you have large organizations without that sense of uniformity? Um, I actually listened to that um, piece on the news recently where... Um, their COO was on the call talking about uh, that very same question where has it helped them in this situation that they've had segregated systems? Certainly it has, but as they, as she pointed out quite rightly on that call, they want to move to a uniform approach. Um, so I, I don't know exactly the answer there, Niall, but ultimately I think um, we're, we're seeing customers that will have a mirage of tools. We've seen customers that have a mirage of systems uh, many different backup appliances, they're all looking for this single source of truth or um, a single pane of glass to, to do it all. Um, but yeah, we do see that. I suppose the downside of, of looking at something like that is maybe if you if you do have a uniform system, once a, a single point of entry is is identified, um, maybe it actually makes the, the, the actors work uh, easier in a sense, would it? Um, look, a single point of failure, I would say yes, but that's why I suppose we've got to look at building in redundancy and stuff like that. We'd be talking about, again, looking at having that immutable uh, copy of your data, right, or your data offline, ensuring it can't be um, encrypted or changed and that you do have a clean state to recover from. So we'll follow the likes of the NCSE, and I think a lot of customers are now starting to um, take note of the guidelines being pushed out by the NCSC and their rule is still following that three, two, one copy, uh, two copies of, or sorry, one production, two backups, and you know two different types of media, and keeping one off site. Same for the likes of three six five. If you look at it from three six five perspective, even we've got customers that have concern about you know native backups within the cloud itself, and then obviously losing using the likes of Rubrik for three six five protection over and above, uh, and giving them that redundancy again. So it's redundancy and building in that. Um, hardening or security hardening. Um, but the single pane of glass is rings true. Uh, and you're right. And people like, is that a dome? Is that a failure? Or is it a dome? Um, is it something that wouldn't be looked upon as easy to target? I wouldn't think so. I think that ultimately it helps you with the visibility should there be an impact. You've been working with uh, other entities within the public sector uh, over the last while. Do, are an awful lot of these uh, organizations waiting for the other shoe to drop? Or is it a case of, well, we've we've been okay so far, perhaps we're doing something differently that gives us a, a little bit more resiliency? You will see certain people along different parts of the journey. Um, I think, look, in the last 
24 months cloud has become huge and a lot more people looking that way. COVID and the spike of ransomware has mean that priorities have changed. I think companies and in particular, as you've called out their public sector and some government body, they're doing the best they can with what they have. Uh, but they're all looking to innovate as well. And they're all looking to get a lot more secure. Um, so I, I do think, that, you know, you'll probably see that going into the future as well as that. And that's what Rubrik are doing as well as bringing data security closer to data protection itself, because it is important. I suppose that's another thing that we'll see down the line. Uh, I imagine there there will be fallout from a, a GDPR perspective off the back of the ransomware attack. Uh, have you seen cases where com- companies were found not to have sufficiently robust uh, data protection measures, uh, despite uh, you know investment in, uh, for want of a, a slightly derogatory term, but is, is still used tin? Um, mm-hmm. Is there a, an aware? Is there an awareness of government policy happening hand in hand with uh, with um, uh, organizational upgrades, or is it a case of, you know, let's let the uh, CIO worry about that, and let's not worry about things like baking security and straight away, or seeing how we are how we are GDPR compliant, or how things can go wrong. Um, I could probably speak to our colleagues in the UK who who ultimately. Uh, are working with a lot of public sector organizations where they are following guidelines and frameworks from the NCSC and by all accounts, they're coming here um, very soon in the Irish market as well. Um, and they're and they're really following those guidelines because of audits that are being pushed down. So you see these frameworks and guidelines being really mandated by government and, and, and being policy. So ultimately ensuring you've got a, an offline copy of your data. That is now mandatory within that space. And you've got um, the NCSE running audits in the UK at the moment, uh, ensuring that that's the case. So they're running these security audits to see if there's any uh, gaps within a customer's data protection environment. And if so, the government themselves are actually supporting with funding by all accounts as well um, in, in with these organizations that have those gaps. It's something I haven't seen here in Ireland. It's something I'd love to see here in Ireland. And and I, by all accounts, NCSE in Ireland is is looking to go um, with this type of a guideline approach as well in the next 12 months is what we're hearing. I imagine in the UK, there was also, also that terrible WannaCry experience uh, exactly. a few years ago, which mm-hmm. I think ended up costing nearly £100 million uh, mm-hmm. pounds to, to write itself. That surely must have left a, a scar on the public service over there as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, I, I think that's why we see a massive uptake in the public sector space in particular, because we align very much with that NCSE guideline with um, with a simple SLA policy uh, and, and everything within rubric is built in simplicity. And obviously, when we spoke about the skills gap already, we want to be talking about doing more with less. Um, and that's what rubric can give a customer is automate the entire data protection environment automate ransomware recovery and orchestration of any incident as well moving forward. So that's why we see a big uptake in um, in government and public sector customers in particular. But we've got many, many flagship customers across the globe that look have been hit and ultimately have used Rubrik because of our immutable capability to bounce back very quickly. 
So when we get into using automation and refi- refining our products to the extent that you know you just need to identify that an attack is happening and you know the the recovery effort will be automated and our systems will be fully patched, one imagines that you know ransomware is being used at the moment because it's easy and it's effective. Uh, mm. If we get to the stage where attacks are being either repelled or recovered from very quickly uh, without any need to engage with the with the attacker, do you think? You know, where do you see the next wave of cyber threats coming from? Um, look, I think COVID, once we all come out of lockdown and, and fingers crossed vaccinations are all complete and we get to the end of this year and uh, the, the normal life, as people are calling it, comes back, will we see it as prevalent? Um, I, I'm not sure what new threats come with that then as well. It's back to all the old concerns, right, which is around physical security and buildings, etc., um, so the, there's always going to be the risks. There always, and, and that's about risk mitigation for companies to just weigh up. Um, I can't really probably look into the future and give you what what is coming down the road. I suppose what we can see from the trends with Gartner, and, and that's why Rubrics uh, push moving that way, and, and that's why we're kind of visionary is is around the orchestration, the automation side of things for those attacks. Should they happen going into the future, regardless of being ran, ransomware? We look at the likes of insider threats. We look at the likes of mass file deletions as well, right? So it's not just ransomware. So it's preparing for the worst in all cases. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with John McCleverty, the country manager for Ireland with Rubric. And if you want to find out more about their service and controlling and protecting and backing up your data for your company, uh, do visit them at rubric.com and that in the show notes of our podcast for you as well. That's it for today and for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or of course do listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time from myself Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson as always have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Thank you.